Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. I do podcast episode 31. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? 
Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're excited to introduce our guest today, Ashley Davis Bush. Hey, Ashley. Hi, how are you? We're doing great. How are you doing? Terrific. I'm glad to be chatting with you about this important topic. Well, great. We're so excited to have you on today. Ashley Davis Bush is a psychotherapist in private practice in Southern New Hampshire with over 20 years experience in the mental health field. She is also the author of four self-help books, including 75 Habits for a Happy Marriage. She is a regular contributor to the Huffington Post and hosts a radio show on webtalkradio.net called Embracing Change. Ashley is happily married and has a blended family of five children and five pets. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I would say I have... um I love helping people improve their relationships, and part of the reason is that I think a healthy relationship is probably the best therapy you'll ever have, and I've been a therapist, as you said, for uh, over 20 years, and I can tell you that when a a relationship is um, what I I consider healthy, and we can talk about what, what is a healthy relationship, but basically... I think a healthy relationship allows you to grow, allows your partner to grow, allows you to discover things about yourself that you wouldn't um, without their help and assistance. And I think it can just basically improve the quality of your life and your experience on this planet tenfold. So I'm a big believer in the power of love and the power of uh, a relationship to really basically make your life better. All the way around. It sort of makes you more whole, more happy. Even when you start happy and whole, it just enhances your experience of living. So that's why I love to help people get to that place um, and improve the relationships that they have because we also know that relationships can potentially contribute to a lot of unhappiness. And and I know all ends of that spectrum from working with people as well as myself personally because I was in a marriage that uh, ended in divorce and now I'm in a second marriage that is very, very happy. So I've seen how it can go bad and I've seen how it can go really well. And I, I like to try to help people find the path of the, the having it go well side. <laughs> we love that and, and that's why we love to have experts like you on our podcast because we think relationships are so important in your life and we want to help make people have better ones. Great. Well, it's a great mission. I applaud that. And uh, and you guys are getting married this fall. Is that true? Yes, we are. That's great. I'm, I'm <laughs> happy for you. <laughs> well, we're going to get right into it and talk about an article you wrote where I love the analogy you use of the title is, Is Your Marriage Leaking? And you talk about what can cause a marriage to leak and how to plug it up. So we're going to dive right in. What are some of the things that might create your marriage to leak? Right. Well, I'm glad you're bringing that up. It's an important um, topic that a lot of people don't give attention to. And you're referring to an article that came out on the Huffington Post in February of this year. And basically, in that article, I give a number of potential ways that that a marriage can leak. And the idea is that, 
A marriage, if you imagine a marriage as sort of a, a balloon um, filled with air, that if you have a leak, the air, you know, a little tear in the balloon, uh, the the energy of the balloon, i.e. the energy of the marriage, is just going to leak out until you're left with nothing. You're left with a collapsed shell of a marriage. And uh, the primary way, I would say, that leaks start to occur is when you have a, a relationship with someone outside of the marriage where you're starting to have an emotional attachment, emotional intimacy, maybe even sharing secrets, and primarily with someone of, um, if you're in a same-sex marriage, it would be someone who's the same sex as your partner, basically. If you're in a heterosexual and you're a woman, it would be having a relationship with another man where you say it may start as, oh, we're just friends, could be someone at work that you have lunch with. It could be an old buddy that you knew when you were single. But these potentially become leaks because your primary relationship, the person that you're invested in as a partner or married to or living with, that is the person that should be the primary uh, receptacle, so to speak, of your intimacy needs. And so if you're starting to have that in great proportion, with someone outside of the marriage, it becomes a leak. Now, some people will say, well, what about friends or girlfriends or guy friends and you're intimate with them? Couldn't they become, you know, is that a leak? And the, the answer is it depends. It depends on the quality of the relationship, um, the frequency of meetings. Uh, you know, you have to sort of look at a case-by-case basis. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't have friends or you shouldn't have even uh, relationships with members of the opposite sex or same sex if you're in a same-sex marriage. You can, but you have to be wary. You have to really look at what's going on and, and notice if you're starting to invest your emotional intimacy needs in that other person because to keep your marriage leak-proof, you want to be investing all your intimacy needs with your partner. Yeah, Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's interesting to me as I was reading it because I think a lot of people will think of a, a relationship outside of the marriage uh, with an opposite sex may be uh, physical and then that's cheating. But this is sort of like an emotional cheating. I don't want to say mm-hmm. cheating, but uh, a leak, like you yeah. know, to use your analogy, that can also be detrimental, not just if it's something physical. That's right. And... So in and of itself, it is potentially, it is dangerous and and damaging, but it also can lead to what you're talking about in that an emotional affair can easily lead into a physical affair. But even if it doesn't, it's no less damaging because it's this idea of, you know, who's your confidant? Who are you sharing your secrets with? Who's making you laugh? Who do you turn to when you're feeling sad? You know, all of that should be coming from your partner. Um, and so there are a few other leaks, not just potentially someone, uh, a friend of this nature, but also things like uh, your job can become an intimacy leak when you're putting tons and tons of effort and time and energy and coming home and working on it, and weekends working on it. And this one's really tricky because people will will say, but I have to work, and of course that's true, and if you have a full-time job, you're working anywhere from 
40 plus hours a week, sometimes 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And, and, and our culture actually supports people working really hard and being ambitious and, you know, working late at the office. So we have this funny sort of cultural uh, support of workaholism, but you don't have the same cultural support for tending to your, to your marriage. That basically, if your boss asks you to stay late for a meeting and you say, oh, well, you know, I, I need to go home and have dinner with my wife because that's what we do, you know, they're not going to say, oh, great, good choice. They'll be like, no, come to this mm-hmm. meeting. Right. So um, it's, a funny, it's a funny situation that we've created in our culture where we don't think we don't think twice about giving 110% to our job, but you don't always see people getting rewarded for spending 110% of their emotional effort on their marriage. How would you address that in a relationship if one person is working more and their partner or spouse doesn't feel that they're giving enough to the relationship? What's the best way to address that to try and resolve the issue? Well, I think that's a really important question, Sarah, and I can tell you that it depends on the situation and the people. Um, but sometimes it's a short-term situation, so you can talk about it and plan around it, and maybe it's a, a short-term project or even a one-year-long project, and you can kind of see light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And you can um, say, all right, now we've, we're going to hunker down. We know this is going to be intense for this period of time, and in the meantime, we're going to, do X, Y, and Z to try to support our relationship, even if that just means sending texts to each other while someone is on business trips, a series of business trips, or Skyping together at night, or you know, dealing with whatever it is. But hopefully it's short term. If it's not short term, if it's something like um, an incredibly long commute, or a very demanding job, or tons and tons of travel, Sometimes uh, two people have to take that into account and say, this isn't working for us. This, this actually is not a sustainable lifestyle. So, for example, I have a couple I'm working with right now, and he had a, an hour-and-a-half commute each way, which made it a three-hour round-trip commute. And as we were exploring you know, their relationship and talking about the impact of that on their relationship, it became very clear that he needed to get another job, that that three-hour commute was, in fact, going to destroy their marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it came down to you can find another job more local or you can keep this job and you're going to lose your marriage, he opted for I'm, I'm brushing off my resume and I'm going to find another job because this won't work for us. Right. Now, some couples, that wouldn't be true. Maybe some, you know, maybe one wife would say, hey, take your three-hour commute. I don't mind. So it's, it's very individual, and it really depends on the people involved and what their needs are as a couple. But I think it's important to have those conversations and say, is your job, is my job interfering with our ability to have a happy marriage? And if it is, you want to make your priority choice. Another one of the activities or things that can cause a leaky marriage would be somebody's hobbies if they're spending too much time on their hobbies and not focusing on their relationship. Yes, that is true. And I think hobbies are important. And a lot of of the dynamic in a relationship is finding the balance between energy on the what I call the couple bubble or the, the us space 
the space that exists in the relationship, but you also need time for yourself and your own personal hobbies and maybe working out, going to the gym, whether you're doing volunteer work, whether you're doing sporting events or you are in a choir, whatever it happens to be. So it's important to have some kind of balance, but if the balance is getting out of whack and somebody's hobby is taking up, you know, sucking up all the energy in the relationship and taking time away from the partner, then that can become problematic. And again, it kind of depends on the couple involved because let's say um, one partner decides to run a marathon and they have to train and they're going to do put tons and tons of energy and time into training for a marathon. If the other partner is really supportive of it and into it and this is fantastic and I'm going to, you know, cheer you on and I'll come to the marathon, then that's going to work for the couple. But if a spouse is like, oh, man, I do not want you to do that marathon, uh, I resent every time you go out for a run, it feels like a threat to the us space, then it's just not going to work. And then you can maybe try a negotiation. Maybe the person says, well, I really want to run this marathon, and I know you're not totally into it, but if you let me do this, then we can do that. In other words, there, you always want to see, is there a way we can negotiate? Is this a deal breaker? Is this a line in the sand or not? Um, but you have to look at, if you have a hobby that you're putting tons of energy into, it could be because you're trying to avoid the fact that you're not intimate in your marriage and that you basically would rather do other things. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple I worked with where the husband wanted to play golf all the time Mm -hmm. and weekends and nights and any day off and the wife was very unhappy with it and just wanted him to spend time with her. And um, unfortunately, I don't think their marriage is actually going to succeed because the truth is he really wanted to play golf more than he wanted to spend time with his wife. And um, and obviously that's problematic for the marriage. Yeah, if you're playing golf at night with <laughs> under the <laughs> under the stars that might be a problem. <laughs> that's right. But, and then it turned into beers with his buddies yeah. and you know, so you you have to look at where are you spending your time and energy and does it reflect your values? And if your value is to support the marriage and be in a healthy relationship, your your actions and your time should reflect that. Yeah, and and I love how you gave examples of the couple with someone running a marathon and and how you might communicate to the other partner about your plan for that. And the key word is communication, I think. You were basically describing good communication. So like so many things we talk about, if whether it's a job or a hobby, really important to communicate to your partner. Yes, yes, and, and that your partner's not a mind reader. They don't know what you're thinking or assuming, and nor can you read their minds. So you really want to be putting things out there on the table and, and, and also talking, I think, in a way that doesn't blame or make people defensive, but to talk in a way that you're trying to hear what your partner needs, but also share what you need and, and look for win-win solutions. That To remember, your partner is is on your side, presumably. They're not the enemy. They're, they're, your, they're your partner. Um, the other way that marriages can leak, which I think people don't realize, is through having children. And it's 
again, one of those cultural ironies that uh, we, we support each other's family lives and attention to children. And of course, as a species, we have to have children. It's what continues the human race. And really, I, you know, in the end, couples sort of come together for that purpose as they would in the animal kingdom to continue to propagate the species. However, having children is like a bomb to your relationship. And I hate to say it, but it's sad but true. And so often people, you know, get really wrapped up and we want kids, we want our family that try so hard, not realizing that, you know, if you're not careful, having children really is like the kiss of death to your relationship. Having said that, children can also be wonderful and and bring you closer and be a wonderful um, bonding event, and it's very beautiful. And I have children. They're kind of mostly grown up now. So I'm not saying don't have children, but I'm saying if you if and when you do have children, you want to remember that their job is to grow up and leave you, mm-hmm. and your partner's job is to stay with you. So when you start putting your children as a priority over your spouse and giving them all the attention, all the love, all the focus, your marriage suffers and the children actually become like a leak to the the marriage. And basically we kind of get it wrong. We put all the energy on the kids and the marriage suffers when what we should be doing is putting attention on the marriage to keep the family strong and then the children flourish. So it's kind of a balancing act because obviously I'm not saying we should just neglect our children and, you know, you should just be focused on each other. Certainly when children are babies and toddlers and young children, there's a real, there is a natural life cycle imbalance where they actually do take up most of the energy and focus. But I think if a couple is intentional and they realize, wait, we have to stay strong through this. We have to keep our central axis of the family supported, they will get through it more easily. And again, to remember that their job is to grow up to leave you. They're not going to be your partner long term. You as a couple are supporting each other to launch the children. Yeah, and that's really interesting because having children is a very positive thing. And you mentioned, you know, you're not saying not to have children, but I think it's important. I've heard we want kids one day, but some couples... I feel like we'll be like, well, let's have kids and that's going to be a a way to help our relationship. You know, maybe we're struggling and we'll focus our love there. But in reality, that's that's not the way to do it. It's a huge stress on the relationship. And um, it it really it's it's interesting how people think that, oh, this will bring us together when actually they don't realize this will be the biggest stress you've ever had on your relationship, Mm -hmm. Uh, simply because children do require so much time and energy and effort. And obviously that's coming out of your time and energy effort with each other. But that said, there's no reason why you can't have a healthy marriage, even while you're raising children and having a family, because it really all comes down to intention. And when you have the intention to nourish and nurture your relationship you absolutely can succeed at that. It's not, um, it's not an impossible task. Well, that is such great advice. And those points that you said to prevent your marriage from leaking are just really relatable. And I know our, our listeners will really be able to take that advice home and, and learn from that. So awesome advice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. 
What do you find is the most common reason couples struggle in their relationship? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons couples struggle, and some of it has to do with um, what Chase was saying about communication, of not being able to communicate clearly to each other, not being able to listen to each other, um, and be willing to listen without defensiveness. But I would also say um, that in terms of struggling, I think I think couples struggle to put each other first because there are so many competing priorities as we were discussing in the, in the leaks. Your children, your hobbies, your friendships, your job. There are just there's so many elements to balance in life and it can be really easy to lose sight of the fact that you need to make your partner if if not in time at least in in emotional energy your priority and when you start to lose that um, clarity then you start to struggle well now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds Sarah's up first Okay. <laughs> well, the my question on your mind. Yeah. Well, well, my question has to kind of relate to the first point under your leaky marriage about relationships with other people. And I have a couple girlfriends that always continue or want to have friendships with their exes, which bringing that into a new relationship can be detrimental. So, do you have any advice on friendships with exes? Hmm. So, in other words, they're in a new relationship, but they want to continue having a, a relationship with their ex? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that um, that's problematic, and <clears throat> they can certainly be friendly with their exes, but ultimately they have to choose. Do they want, do they want the new relationship to work, or do they want to reunite with their ex? In fact, I believe you cannot, you can't have both. You can't have a deep, deep friendship with an ex and be in the new relationship. Mm-hmm. And when I say a deep, deep friendship, I mean lunch, private lunches, emails, uh, Facebooking, private messages, chatting on the phone, things like that. You just you can't have that and have the new partner. What you can have is a friendly relationship. So if you saw him at a party, I mean, of course, you can be friendly. You can say, oh, hi, how's it going? You can wish him well if you heard he had, a, you know, maybe a, a promotion at work, send him a card. But even then, I would let the new partner know. Mm-hmm. I would have total transparency and say oh, to the new partner, oh, you know, my ex just got a raise. I'm going to send him a card because I just want to congratulate him. In other words, you don't have private communications with that ex anymore that the partner doesn't know about. That person's in your past, and you can certainly be friendly, but you cannot be close friends and have energy in the new partnership. Well, great advice. Thank you. My question is, we talked about all the things that can create a leaky marriage, and I think that a big important thing is realizing if whatever it is, the job or the hobby is creating a problem, you can have a job and and a hobby and and it can be fine. I think that's important for our listeners to take home. So my question is, what's the best advice you can give to keep a sort of a radar on if your job is becoming detrimental or your hobby is becoming detrimental? How can a couple check in and keep those in keep those things in check? 
Right. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I recommend something called the State of the Union Address, <laughs> which nice. is basically to sit down with your partner maybe once a month, maybe even once a season, and rate your relationship on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being fantastic, perfect, so happy, and 1 being, wow, I'm not sure we're going to make it. And each of you do your State of the Union, give a number, and then start to unpack what that number means. So maybe, Sarah, you say an 8, but Chase says a 6, and you'd want to say, well, okay, let's understand why is it a 6, why is it not a 9 or a 10, and what's getting in the way. And so that gives the person an opportunity to say, well, you know, actually, I think it I'm not even sure why it's a six, but I think it has to do with the fact that you work three nights a week and we never get to see each other in the evening. Or You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. basically once you give it a number, it invites conversation. It invites the ability to reflect. Um, Are the weak points that you're so invested in your hobby I don't get to see you? Are the weak points that even when you're home, you're on the computer still doing work? are the weak points that we never go out, just the two of us, because we're always going out with other couples. It it invites the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of couples get so swept up in daily living, and as I said, which is complicated, because we are juggling kids and pets and families and in-laws and social events and hobbies and exercise and work and health and and home (laughs) maintenance. And oh my gosh, it's like a wonder any of us can... (laughs) can get it all done. But in the midst of that, if you don't take time for this sort of reflection piece, for this state of the union to say, wow, how are we doing? How do we rate? And either what's making us so great so that we can keep doing it or what's making our numbers slip down and what can we do to get that number back up? So you really want to have those times to reflect, to assess, and to sort of draw up a plan for improvement. I love the State of the Union, and I don't think you can do it enough. I mean, if you want to do it weekly, I think probably the more the better, because if there is a problem, it's just going to build up and build up. Absolutely. You're right. The more the better. I agree. But, at the, you know, if you find that you're getting too busy for it, you at least want to get it in um, a, four times a year minimal. Once a month is great. Once a week is even better. Once a week. All you listeners out there, do it once a week. <laughs> Can't hurt. Make some time. Excellent. Right. Well, now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions, and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Ashley, are you ready to help us build lasting love? You bet. (laughs) All right. Well, I will go first. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Well, let's see. One thing they can do that I would recommend is when a couple reunites at the end of a of a day where they've been apart is to take a moment to come together. A lot of couples might hug or kiss, hi, honey, I'm home, but to stop and actually take 20 seconds to hug. 20 seconds is an extremely long time. It's much longer than you would imagine. It's much longer than a typical hug. 
But 20 seconds, science has shown, is enough time to activate the hormone of oxytocin. And oxytocin is a bonding hormone. It makes us feel special, loved, and, and bonded. So to basically have this as a little practice, or what I would say is a habit, uh, to every night when you reconvene, 20-second hug. I love it. H- hug it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is there a book or resource you recommend for couples? Well, I would have to say I recommend my own book, which is 75 Habits for a Happy Marriage. <laughs> I, would, I would have to give a plug for my own work, you understand. Absolutely. But I would, also, I would also say another book that I love to recommend to couples is Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages. And uh, I think it's a very simple and easily understandable template to help improve your marriage, the five love languages. Absolutely. And you're not the first one to recommend that. And I've finally gotten into that book. I'm almost done. And it is right on spot. Really enjoy it. Good. Great. Well, your book, as well as the five love languages, are going to be on your show notes page on I Do Podcasts. And our listeners can go there to find those awesome recommendations. Great. We're getting married this year, as we talked about earlier. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? Well, I would say it's very easy when you're engaged and you're about to get married to put a lot of focus on the wedding. And, of course, there's so much attention on, you know, the the setting, the flowers, the dress, the photographer, the food. And it's so interesting that we put so much energy into the wedding as opposed to the relationship. So I love what you guys are doing that basically you're exploring relationships, you're reading about it, you're talking to people, you're thinking about it. And I think that all engaged couples should be, you know, maybe not running their own podcast, but certainly (laughs) (laughs) talking to people they admire, what makes your marriage work, what hasn't worked, talking to people who are divorced, why do you think it went bad, what would you do differently, Uh, reading books, basically immersing themselves in the study of relationships and taking it seriously and remembering that there's a lot more to all of this than just planning a great party and a nice ceremony. That's great advice, and uh, and I'll add listening to I Do Podcast. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yes. I mean, we originally we did it for us, for information for us, and to help our relationship, but it really can be useful for people out there in our similar situation. Absolutely. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? I would say uh, do not assume that your marriage is going to last. And that could sort of sound like dire advice, except what I mean is recognize, don't take it for granted. Don't just assume that everything will be fine and you'll live out to 60 years of marriage. You need to know that your marriage requires three A's, attention, appreciation, and affection. And you want to be bringing those into your life every single day. Attention, appreciation, and affection. Those are ingredients that will keep your relationship healthy. So don't assume that you can just sit back and coast through life and worry about your job and raise your kids and everything will be fine. You must not assume that your marriage will last. You must know that it's going to require 
uh, some nurturing and some, I don't like to say it requires work so much because that makes it sound, you know, about as exciting as cleaning your toilet. <laughs> but your relationship is like a plant and it needs to be nurtured and fed and given water and given sunlight. So nurture your relationship and then it will last. Well, I love that. And I love those three points, attention, appreciation, and affection. And I know it's really relatable for our listeners and uh, it's it's simple, but yet so important. So we've really enjoyed hearing all your advice that you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Terrific. Well, I would ask them to come see me on my website, which is www.ashleydavisbush.com. And that will lead them to resources that I have, articles, books, lead them to my, uh, my radio show. So come to www.ashleydavisbush.com. Well, our listeners can find all the information and links to today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And thank you again for all your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much and good luck with your, your wedding this year. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.